Greetings, Team Ajilam. Karibuni sana tena. Uh, we are now on our fifth episode of the Axe series. I hope you guys have been enjoying it. I've thoroughly enjoyed teaching it, and I hope you guys have enjoyed learning together with me. So, last week we were in episode three. Actually, no, last week we were in episode four. What am I talking about? Episode four, where we learned about the healing of the lame beggar, man. What a beautiful story, isn't it? Yeah? Remember the story of the, 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 the healing of the lame beggar? That story is still in my mind, to be honest. Like, that girl was over 40 years old, right? And all this stuff happened, which is pretty amazing. But it's a great representation of the grace of Jesus Christ. So, today I want us to look at Acts chapter 2 and 4. Right? So we're going to look at chapter, uh, chapter 2 and 4, but specifically what we're going to be looking at is the very bottom of um, these chapters. I think we had, I talked about it last time where we're going to look at the whole amazing generosity that existed within the church and the great unity that existed within the church um, and just talk about that. And in fact, what I want to be able to do is it's going to be a conversation that we're going to probably not probably that we're going to have in two parts okay so we're going to have the first conversation today to talk about the unity of believers and then next um thursday we're going to look at um the generosity in itself and what it, it says to us by looking at the story of ananias and sapphira but also looking at both uh, uh, chapter 2 and chapter 4 these specific portions of scripture that we are going to read from today we're also going to cover them um, next week as well to be able to just bring a holistic view to this unity and incredible generosity that we see in the early church okay now let's go ahead and read it acts 2 42 to 47 it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with war with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Then let's read now Acts 4, 32 to 37. All the believers were one were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need i don't know if you're like me but uh when you look at these stories in the book of acts when you look at this uh what luke is telling us about what's what was happening in the early church i don't know if you're just as amazed by me when you see this level of unity within the the early church i mean it's really remarkable um when you think about the level of unity that was happening within this church is incredibly remarkable. But not only that, like I always wonder to myself, I'm like, why is it that we don't see the many signs and wonders that we read about in the early church um, today? 
why is it that we don't see the level of unity that we see in the early church today? And the thing that's amazing is that, you know, many of these signs and wonders were not just being done by the apostles. They were also being performed by just regular believers. If you look at people like Stephen and, and Philip, um, um, and specifically Stephen, whom we look at later, but if you look at these guys were just like, you know, ordinary guys who performed great signs and wonders amongst the people. And so the question is, why is it that this stuff, why is it that we don't see this level of unity today? Why is it that we don't see this, this level of signs and wonders today? I mean, these guys, when you think about it, were literally selling off their property so that they could provide for the needs of others. I don't know if you guys, I mean, to me, that's pretty remarkable, right? That they were providing for the needs of others, like selling off their own property. This wasn't just the reserve of just a few guys. It says here that all the believers were together and had everything in common, right? So how was all this possible and what can we learn from this, right? And here is the thing, that there are two things that I want us to be able to take out, take out from the two portions of scripture that we read today. And we're going to cover more next week, but there's two things that I want us to look at today specifically, right? First and foremost, one of the things that we see in both events in regards to the unity of the believers that's spoken of, when you look at both uh, in Acts 2 and in Acts um, 4, when you look at both of these um, uh, times when, when the unity of believers is spoken of, what we see prior to that, prior to this unity is an infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you look at Acts 2, there's of course the arrival of the Holy Spirit in, in the day of Pentecost and all that. Then we see at the very bottom where it talks about the unity of believers. It talks, that the, you know, in both times, this is now two and four, they both end with this conversation about the unity of the believers. And we see such great unity along with many signs and wonders. In Acts 4, literally right before in verse 32, where it says the believers were one in heart and mind, we see in verse 31 that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God, the word of God boldly. Right? That's what it says. And so at each point, one of the things that we see is that there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Like in, in prior to this incredible unity and oneness being mentioned, the believers are infilled with the Holy Spirit. And why is this important to note? You know, in Paul's first letter um, to the church of Corinth, he addresses some division that had arisen within the church. And one of the things that he does is that there was, there, was, there, was, there was those factions that were beginning to develop within the church, right? Some were saying that they belonged to Apollos, other to, 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 to Paul. And so Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians 3 from verse 1 to 4. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being mere human beings? And in first, you know, in John 17, Jesus prays for all believers, and this is what he says. This is what John, this is what Jesus says for when he prays for all the believers. He says in John 17, 20 to 23, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, 
even as you have loved me. So one of the things that we can definitely conclude, especially when we look at the level of unity that was happening within the church, one of the things that we can easily and very quickly conclude is that factions or denominations or disunity within the church is not a spirit-led plan. Okay? The whole thing about factions, denominations, or any level of disunity is not a spirit-led plan. This was not the intention of Jesus when establishing the church. It was not his intention. These are divisions that arise from believers being worldly. So each time we see division in the church, it is on account of people being worldly. Okay? And denying the power of the Spirit who gives life to the church and fuels its purpose. Anytime in church history, when we see division in the church, it has always been on account of worldliness, worldly pursuits, not established in the Word of God. For example, if you look at the fourth, yes, it was in the fourth, uh, fourth century, yes, the fourth century, where when the church is established, and what happens is that they, uh, as, as during the time in the 4th century, they, they, there's this new thing that is, is uh, edit that's established which speaks of the papal primacy, which basically said that the Pope had full, supreme and universal power over the whole church. Now, of course, this went against everything that we even observe in the early church where there was no supreme, infallible apostle, not even Peter who Jesus addressed as the rock who would build, the, the rock in which the church would be built on, did not have this type of authority. So in fact, even if you see in Acts 15, we see this theological dispute that comes between uh, Paul and Barnabas. And, and they, they go to Jerusalem to be able to go and deal with this theological dispute that has happened. And so when they go to Jerusalem, they go and meet with the council of, they go and meet with the, the, the council in Jerusalem, which was basically the apostles and the elders in the church. And they begin to discuss this theological matter that had arisen, right? And so the, the, there was no a super apostle. There was no apostle who had um, uh, authority over the entire church, right? That authority only rested on Christ Jesus. That the apostles were leaders that were appointed by God, but they did not make, there was no one who had supreme, universal, and infallible authority. There was no one who had that, right? And so the first real division in the church begins to happen in the fourth century, where now the East, that, that's actually now what ended up forming the Eastern Orthodox Church, who then, who, who were against this idea of, of what they're calling the papal primacy, and they, they began to split. And so this is the first time when we begin to see this split within the church. And so when you see, when you begin to start seeing disunity, or you begin to start seeing any division within the church, usually that division comes from worldliness. It doesn't come from people who are being spirit-led. It is not a spirit-led mission. That breakup oftentimes comes from worldliness, right? Things that are unfounded in scripture. We see the same thing in regards to the Anglican church. When the Anglican church was established where the king of England who wanted to remarry. And so what he does is that he basically, because he was not able to get the authority to divorce and remarry from the, from the, from the, from the Roman Catholic church, he then begins to split from the church to form the Anglican church. And the only reason why he did this is so that he could remarry. 
That's worldliness, <laughs> right? That has nothing that has, there is no basis in scripture, right? There was no basis in this, in this division. So anytime we see division, we, anytime we see division within the church, it's oftentimes because of worldly ambitions, right? Same thing we see in regards to the Protestant Reformation, where we see that there were so many worldly practices that had infiltrated the Roman Catholic Church, causing great dispute where there were so many things and so much corruption that was happening. And so it begins to bring this rift, and again we see division within the church. And so we see this very stark contrast that when we look at the history of the church in comparison to the early church, where we see such unity, we see such, such oneness amongst the believers. But then as we go down the history of the church, we begin to start seeing division and separation. And right now, if we think about it, my goodness, we have thousands of denominations. <laughs> Of of the of Christianity, I mean, it's 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 quite it's quite insane when you think about it. And the thing that Paul states is that with the cause of division, the cause of division that he addresses in the early church, that he addresses to the Corinthian church, is that the reason for that division is worldliness. It is the worldliness of the believers that has caused this division. That worldliness is the thing that stifles the work of the Spirit. It is the antithesis to the work of the Spirit. In 1 John 2, 15-17, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Here's the thing. As long as our ambitions and desires are shaped by the world, as long as we are choosing to be taught by the world and to be inspired by the world, then instantly we are rejecting the Holy Spirit and the will of God. I put it to you that the reason why we do not see the unity within the faith, nor do we see the many signs and wonders that we saw in the early church, is because we are worldly. We are worldly. We have allowed the world to shape our ambitions and desires. We have allowed the world to guide our truths. We have allowed the world to be our inspiration. This is why we have greater ambitions to be rich than to be generous. We have greater ambitions to have great wealth than great character. We crave the approval of men more than we crave the approval of God. It is why we desire to live a happy life more than we do to live a purposeful life. We accumulate possessions in the pattern of this world, when in contrast, those who had put their faith in Christ were letting go of their possessions because this world isn't their home. We are more concerned about looking good than being good. We are more concerned about being famous on earth than being famous in heaven. You know, it's so interesting if you remember the story about um, uh, the sons of Sceva. And the sons of Sceva, it's such an interesting story where they go and they try to go and cast out uh, evil spirits. And they go to this, uh, to this, this guy who was... Uh, I guess they call them demoniacs, <laughs> right? He was, he, 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 Alikonama, demons. And they go to him and they're like, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. And, the, and this demon says, Jesus I know, Paul I know about. Who are you guys? 
You know what I'm saying? Like Paul, literally, who in, in the spiritual circles, they knew him, man. They knew who this nigga was. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they knew who Paul was. So it's just like, it's so interesting, but it's like the approval, the, 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 the fact that Paul was famous in, 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 in spiritual, in a spiritual sense. The thing is this, we're more concerned with building our own empires. Like the celebrities, like, you know, I just want to build an empire, like, you know, Rihanna, Elon Musk, Beyonce and Jay-Z. <laughs> then we are about extending God's kingdom. James puts it this way in chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Like I said, we have allowed this world to shape our ambitions and desires. And oftentimes what happens is that we have adopted so much worldliness and we just sprinkle a little Jesus on it. Yeah? Sprinkle Lord Jesus on that, right? And then we wonder, where is the God of this early church? And why don't we see many signs and wonders? It's because we're worldly with a little Jesus sprinkle on it. You know, the thing that's interesting is that the word used for world in the Greek is the word cosmos, which has many meanings. But one of the things that it literally means is the universe. Cosmos, the universe, right? My friend, the amount of times I've heard people <laughs> one moment speak of God and the next they're asking for the universe to bless them. Which is it, bro? <laughs> what is it, sis? <laughs> is it, is it, who, who have you placed your faith in? God or the universe, right? We've adopted pagan beliefs and sprinkled a little bit of Jesus on it. Just the other day, I saw someone who posted uh, literally on the, this was, the, this was literally how they posted it. It was on their stories where it was like, the first, the first story was uh, a scripture. <laughs> it's from the Bible, like, yeah, 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 you need Jesus, whatever, a scripture. Literally, the next story was them asking the universe <laughs> for blessings, right? And it's just like, I don't understand. We have adopted so much worldliness into, 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 and just, you know, sprinkle a little Jesus on it. Just sprinkle a little Jesus on it, right? So you're basically asking for the cosmos. You want the cosmos to bless you. Or do you want God to bless you? God has a name. And it's not the universe. This is heresy. This is heresy. <laughs> <laughs> Play talk. And so for me, not for me, but I put it to you, that the reason why we do not see the work of the Spirit at work amongst us in the way that we see it in the early church is because, like Paul says, we are worldly. The worldliness I speak of, by the way, is not the worldliness that in the way that the church today has defined it. The way, the way that the church today has defined worldliness is that, you know, if you go to parties or if you, if you, if you drink alcohol or if you go to, to a bar, then you're worldly. No, this is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. 
even Jesus himself was accused by the Pharisees of being worldly, right? For, for hanging out with, with sinners and tax collectors and eating and drinking with them, right? Um, so that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. The worldliness that I'm talking about is where your ambitions, desires, and thoughts are shaped by the world. Where God's revealed truth through scripture is no longer the authority for our lives. This is the worldliness that I'm speaking of, which goes straight to the heart. It's a, a worldliness that goes straight to the heart where all our ambitions, our desires, and our thoughts are shaped by this world. And so the question is, who are you listening to? Who are you taking advice from? Whom do you seek guidance from? Who are your quote-unquote idols? Where we talk about that, oh my gosh, it's my idol! <laughs> right? Worldliness with a sprinkle of Jesus. There's a guy who's a pal of mine. Whew, I hope he died and watch Adila, but anyway. <laughs> whatever. So, <laughs> uh, this guy who's Biashara, whatever, and, you know, we we're talking about like all these things. We we're talking about whatever, you know, about, about, you know, our faith and all these things and encouraging one another. And then we got into talking about business and he began to tell me, uh, you know, kind of tell, talk to me about how he's like, yeah, you know, the work that I do, you know, gotta you know the thing is that you gotta do kickbacks gotta bribe guys whatever and i remember sitting there just being like so amazed at at this 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 whole thing of that you know fully hear about talking about our faith but then on the other hand also incredibly comfortable just bribing and being corrupt i i mean <laughs> i was just like I don't understand. And I remember sitting there and, 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 and the fact that, that it wasn't even just necessarily that, you know, that, you know, I'm sure, you know, business is difficult and, you know, sometimes it's just like, the, the, the impression that I got is that there wasn't any, like, remorse around this. It was just like, yeah, you know, that's just how it is. This is, you know, this is kind of how it is. This is how you do things. You know, Jesus, a little bit of corruption here and there. I put it to you. That part of the reason why we do not see the unity, we do, that we do not see the signs and wonders that we see in the early church is because, as Paul says, that we are worldly and we just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on it. And the thing is this, unless we reject the world, we cannot experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the great impact he is able to have in our lives to cause us to be like Christ. And so the question is this, how then do we reject worldliness? And I believe that the answer actually is in Acts 2.42, where it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, the thing is to understand here when you talk about this, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, that these people com devoted themselves to this. Now, th just for clarity, the, the, the whole thing about the apostles' teaching is, is because at the time there, there was no Bible. There was, uh, during this early church, the, there was no Bible. There was no, the, 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 this, what we read in the book of us had not been written. Luke had not even written Luke. The New Testament did not exist. So so literally the only way that the people were able to understand the life of Christ and the teachings of Christ was through the apostles' teaching. 
right? And so it's through the apostles' teachings that they were able to learn, right? So at this point in time, that's the reason. So literally, when you think about it, right now, what we have is what they did not have. They did not have the Bible, but it says that they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is basically they committed themselves to hearing the word. They committed themselves to learning the word, right? And the thing is this, is that the reality is this. We cannot reject lies. You cannot reject lies unless you know the truth. You do not get rid of darkness by removing darkness. You don't get rid of lies by removing darkness. You get rid of darkness by shining light. And so like the believers then, and I know we talk about this, it's so cliche. We talk about this all the time. But the reality is this, that these people devoted themselves that unless we are able to commit ourselves to the word, then we are always and constantly, perpetually under the danger of being worldly and adopting worldly ideas and views because we do not know the truth. And I know this sounds so cliche all the time, just say, yeah, you know, read the word, but the thing is this, it's the simple truth. Simple truth that unless we are committed to the word, we will forever remain immature. That's the reality. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the word. And the second thing that they did is that they committed to fellowship, which basically means that get some like-minded believers in your circle. And I'm not saying that all your friends need to be believers, because that's ridiculous. I I mean, you'd have to literally live, you'd you'd be living in a bubble, right, for for, for you to do that. And also, where is your your witness? (laughs) If all your homies homies are are believers, you better, I hope you 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 know, adopt some others. But the thing that I'm saying is that it is incredible, it is incredibly difficult for you to live out your faith in Christ in isolation. It is incredibly difficult. It says that the devil is like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. When you observe predators, oftentimes they prefer to go for isolated prey. <laughs> right? That's the thing that they do. You never see that. When you go for a herd, it's usually like you find an isolated, go for that guy. Right? Much easier to attack. It's the same for us. And so I pray that you would definitely, without a doubt, if right now, if you are not, if you do not have any believer friends around you, whom you can be in fellowship with, I pray that you would ask God to be able to basically send you and to connect you with some believer friends that you can walk with. This is so crucial. This was so crucial in the beginning. Remember, they committed themselves to the apostles' apostles teaching. They committed themselves to the word, to fellowship. And lastly, the thing that they committed themselves to is to prayer. The Holy Spirit is willing and able to help us to identify the ways in which we have embraced worldliness in our lives. In John 16 and 13, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And if you remember when we talked about Paracletos, that this is part of what he's here to do for us, to help us with. And so through prayer, we're able through prayer to connect with the Holy Spirit and seek his guidance and help to help us understand the ways in which we have embraced worldliness in our lives. Amen? And so the three things, they committed themselves to the word, they committed themselves to fellowship, and they committed themselves to prayer. Amen? The breaking of bread and fellowship is like the same was up. Go for, go for dinner and lunch with your, <laughs> with your, with your uh, fellow believer friends when you guys finally link up. Um, 
Now to my second and last point about the love, unity, and the signs and wonders we see in the early church. In Acts 4.32, it says that the believers were one in heart and mind, meaning that they had a common purpose. What was that common purpose? What was that common purpose that we see? And we see it reflected in the prayer that they prayed right before in verse 32. We see it in verse, right before verse 32 when we see this, right? That in Acts 4, after Peter and John have been um, released from, from prison, where they had been gone to make a defense uh, before the Sanhedrin, uh, after they had healed the guy, remember the, the leper from that we talked about last week, they actually ended up in prison because of that, right? And so after they had been released, it says that they went back to their own people, and it reads from verse 32, that on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. These believers had one thing in mind. Enable us to speak your word with great boldness. And they asked for signs and wonders. And the reason why they asked for signs and wonders was for the purpose of being able to have greater impact when sharing the message of the gospel. And after this prayer, the same believers who already had been filled with the Holy Spirit, it says here that they were filled by the Holy Spirit again and were given the ability to speak the word of God boldly. They were filled with the Holy Spirit again. It's almost like God being like, Bri, I 1000% approve of that prayer. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... I'm going to feel you again. <laughs> I'm going to feel you again. The whole room was shaken like the day of Pentecost. And they were filled again. Friends, the primary purpose of the church is to evangelize the lost. Is to speak the word of God. God's ultimate desire for all who have put faith in the name of Jesus is to fill us with his spirit and use us to witness to the world. The last thing that Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1.8 was, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The entire focus of these believers was to declare the word of Christ. You need to remember that these believers were not full-time church staff. These were just guys who had normal vocations, normal jobs, Normal people like you and me. And these people came from all types of backgrounds. But they had one focus, one desire, one mission. To be able to speak the word. This is why they committed themselves to the apostles' doctrine. To fellowship, to prayer. 
not for their own comfort, but so that they will be able to share the gospel. In fact, we see in Acts 8, where after the persecution arises in the church because of Saul, um, who was persecuting the church, it says that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. These were not full-time ministers. These were regular people. These were just regular people. The signs and wonders that were at work with them so that they could boldly preach the word of God that was happening, these signs and wonders that were at work with them were happening to just regular believers like Philip. If you look in Acts 8, it says of Philip that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. Meaning that the signs and wonders, the purpose of the signs and wonders was to be able to help those who are proclaiming the word to be even more effective in what they were doing, which was sharing the word of Christ. So remember the first episode when I spoke to you about being a witness and I said that God wants to perform signs and wonders through us. The purpose of this was not for our own sake, but for the sake of us being able to proclaim the message of Christ, the message of Christ. That is the purpose. That when people come and they're in awe and they're like, wow, how are you able to do this? That that then gives us the opportunity to declare the message of Christ. These believers were all united in one purpose. Their ambition, their desire, their goal was to speak the word of Christ which was and still is the will of God for us who have put our faith in him. It is the will of God for us to be involved in this one singular mission that he has, which is to restore mankind back to himself through Christ. He is so involved in this mission that when these believers, when they prayed for boldness to speak his word, it says that the place there was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Like I told you, they were literally filled with the Spirit afresh. Like God stamping his approval on this. Like, yes, that's exactly what I want from you guys. That's exactly what I want you guys to do. That's exactly the thing that I want to answer. And I will not just answer it. I will shake this place. And I will fill you with this Holy Spirit afresh just to affirm to you and to show you that this is my desire for you. They asked for boldness and God gave it to them. They asked for signs and wonders and God gave it to them so that they would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and it is no different for us you know the thing is uh, is that we get so overwhelmed with this idea of sharing our faith but that's why we have the Holy Spirit through him we're able to experience and receive boldness and through him we're able to find opportunities to participate in this mission to share the gospel of Christ through our lives this is not a solo mission this is not a thing just go which is kind of how I always used to look at evangelism. I'm like, brah, you're going to have to go and make me talk to guys. <laughs> and I was just like, eh, I don't know if I can. And so I'd always, you know, be there like so nervous. And so, but the thing is, is that these people, when they saw this, they did not just go out there. They literally asked, would you give us boldness to share this word? And not only that, give us signs and wonders so that it becomes easier for us to share the word. And then God answered them. This was the focus of the early church, and this is why we see such unity 
This is why we see so many signs and wonders because they had submitted themselves to the will of God, which was for them to speak the word of God. As I close, the thing that is very clear is that Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the reality is this, you who is listening to me, who has put their faith in Christ Jesus, you are the worker. It says that when Jesus talked about the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, he says that pray, pray to the God of the harvest that he may send laborers to his field, to his field. You are that worker. And that's what this ministry is about. This ministry is about gathering together workers who are able to go into the harvest to reap on behalf of our Father in heaven through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has given us everything we need to accomplish this task. He has forgiven you and made you worthy to be his worker. And Father, he has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can be effective in the task that he has given us. Like I mentioned, God is doing a new thing in his church. The mega church format, that mega church format where we come to church and we sit down and we are like, those are the guys who do, those are the guys, that's the church. This is the church, this building. Those are the guys who do evangelism. Those are the guys who, who, who usually go and talk to us. We come here to be enriched, to be, to be fed. And then we go and we are like, you know, praise God. But the, 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 the guys who do the things, these things that Jesus is calling about is those guys, the pastor and the staff, right? Those are the guys who do those things. The church is not a building. It's not staff members. You are the church. You are the church. And God is not wanting to do a new thing in some church denomination. He's wanting to do a new thing in you. He wants to send you. He wants to use you. Regular, shmegular, you. <laughs> but you ain't regular because you got the Holy Spirit. You ain't no mere human being. You ain't the worldly guy that Paul talks about. Nah, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what we have learned today, first and foremost, is that we need to reject worldliness, which is to reject the desires, ambitions, and goals that we have adopted from the world. And that the Holy Spirit will be able to help us through this journey to identify the ways in which we have embraced worldliness in our lives. So like the believers then, like I said, that we must commit ourselves to the word, how they said that they devoted themselves, that we devote ourselves to the word, that we devote ourselves to fellowship, and that we devote ourselves to prayer, right? And secondly, that we would embrace the way of the Spirit, which is for Him to be able to use us to participate in Christ's mission to draw men and women to Him. Do you remember, and remember this, that where the believers started in Acts 4 is that they prayed and asked for help in being able to accomplish this mission. They prayed and asked, Lord, would you give us boldness to speak your word? And would you give us signs and wonders so that we can be effective in being able to communicate your word? And so we also must do the same that we must ask him to give us the boldness and to give us the signs and wonders 
so that we can be effective in being able to participate in this mission that Jesus Christ has imparted upon us to share the message of his saving grace. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. See you again next week. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.